0: thinking about gathering together for the holidays. We're not quite in as dire of a situation with COVID as we were last year now that vaccinations are available, but the threat of the virus is still present. So how can we gather safely this year?
1: I think the most important thing is to acknowledge the difficulty of that question. The uncertainty caused by that gives a lot of people a lot of anxiety. Safe is a relative term. The only thing that is ever going to be 100% safe is to stay in your house by yourself and never see another person. That isn't really how most of us are living, and
0: it's not an option, and it doesn't sound like very much fun. This is the Health Nexus podcast, powered by Jefferson Health. I'm Gianna DiMedio. With us today is Dr. Efrat Keen, an emergency medicine physician who has been on the front lines of the pandemic since the beginning. She notes that the answer to staying safe this year is certainly not one size fits all. So before you head over the river and through the woods to grandmother's house for the holiday, or pop open that New Year's Eve champagne with friends, consider these tips from Dr. Keen. Remember these numbers, one, three, and five. There's one very powerful tool to add to your list this year, three questions to ask yourself, and five layers of health interventions. Let's start with number one.
1: I would say that being vaccinated is certainly the most powerful tool we have in preventing infections and in increasing the safety of gathering together for the holidays. It's not a magic bullet but it should be the very first thing on everybody's holiday checklist that everyone who can be vaccinated should be vaccinated at this point. That is everybody above the age of five being vaccinated at this point is 100% the most important and the easiest and safest thing that anyone can do to protect themselves and other people from COVID-19. Being vaccinated massively reduces the risk of infection, massively reduces the risk of hospitalization, severe disease and death, and it massively reduces the risk of transmission to other people.
0: Dr. Keen uses the phrase reduces the risk intentionally here as vaccines cannot eliminate the risk completely. There are still gonna be breakthrough infections among vaccinated people. There are still gonna be vaccinated
1: people who can transmit this disease to others, but their risk of doing so is leaps and bounds lower than people who are not vaccinated.
0: Vaccination is key, and boosters are a nice extra layer of protection but should be considered a necessity if choosing to gather with people over the age of 60. Dr. Keene explains.
1: Anyone who got a Pfizer or Moderna vaccine more than six months ago, or who got a Johnson & Johnson vaccine more than two months ago, should get their booster as soon as possible. What we know about the boosters is that if you are older, they do definitely give some benefit in reducing the risk of severe infection from a breakthrough infection of covid If you're younger, especially younger than 60, your risk of a severe infection, if you've gotten two shots is so low that the benefit of the booster isn't like that meaningful, but it does have a significant benefit in reducing transmission. So more from the perspective of protecting the other people that you're going to be gathering with, especially if some of them are elderly or if some of them are younger, unvaccinated children, getting the booster, even if you're a young, healthy person with a really low risk of severe
0: disease, is going to help you prevent getting them sick. Next, Dr. Keene says there are three big questions that people need to ask themselves when making plans for the holidays.
1: What is my personal risk to me of becoming severely ill or getting hospitalized or dying if I'm exposed or become infected with COVID-19? Two, what is the level of risk of people who I plan to invite to my holiday gathering? What is their risk of becoming severely ill if they're exposed? So thinking about people who may be elderly or maybe too young to be vaccinated, people with immune-compromising conditions. And then once you have answers to those two questions, you ask, what strategies can I use to minimize or reduce the risk of exposure and infection and severe illness as much as possible for myself and everybody in my
0: family or in my group? She says it's important to remember that even though evaluating these questions can help to reach a conclusion with as low a risk as possible, it is impossible to reach a scenario with zero risk if you do choose to gather with others.
1: When you're thinking about taking a risk, it should be a calculated risk that takes into account the benefits and the potential downsides. i like it you know, to skydiving, right? Skydiving is not a zero risk activity. Once you've decided to go skydiving, there's a little bit of risk, but you also probably shouldn't go without a parachute. That will help.
0: All right, so we've assessed our risk, we've got our parachute, but what about family members or friends who may feel differently about our approach to these gatherings?
1: I think it's tough. And I think every family and every group is going to be different in the decision that they make. It again comes back to everybody's individual calculation of their own risk, right? If you have an unvaccinated person at a gathering, that person obviously introduces a much higher risk of infection to everybody else there. They also introduce a a really big risk to themselves that somebody else at the gathering could be asymptomatic, could not know that they're infected and infect them and they have no protection. I would say that the rules for unvaccinated Vaccinated individuals have been pretty consistent throughout the entire pandemic that the CDC recommends that they follow, which is don't gather. I I wouldn't, if I were not vaccinated, I wouldn't feel safe gathering with other people. But that's my personal risk calculation. That's what works for me and what works for my family. When you're talking to family members or friends who are not vaccinated about gathering for the holidays, you need to take into account your own risk, the risk of the other people who are going to be there, and make a choice about what degree of risk you're willing to accept and take on and set boundaries that you're comfortable with. I don't think that we need to uninvite everyone who can't be vaccinated from our gatherings, but when you do have somebody who's not vaccinated or who can't be vaccinated at your gathering, you need to start thinking about other ways to reduce the risk that person poses. These are things called (coughs) non-pharmacologic interventions or NPIs that are staple public health measures, all the things that we were doing before vaccines existed to try and reduce the risks of these gatherings. And they are really effective. I do not personally think they're a substitute for everybody being vaccinated, but I also don't think that being vaccinated is a substitute for engaging in good public health practices. The important thing is really to layer on multiple different strategies to reduce risk. These are things like having everyone take a test before gathering, making sure that everyone who can be vaccinated is vaccinated, taking extra care in the two weeks leading up to a gathering to reduce your risk of exposure from other sources by wearing high quality masks and not engaging in high risk activities, limiting the size of gatherings, limiting the distance that people are traveling. All of these are standard and any one of them in isolation is not going to be enough. But if you layer them all on top of each other, you should end up with the lowest risk that you can.
0: Dr. Keen says that recommendations for large gatherings haven't really changed in situations where you can't know or control whether people are vaccinated or whether people have been tested recently, like restaurants, theaters, or even outdoor gatherings with a close crowd. The safest thing to do in these scenarios? Control what you can. So you can't
1: control the behavior of all the people around you because there's too many of them, but you can control wearing a mask and you can control keeping your distance and you can control having a a strong preference for outdoor rather than indoor activities. Things like the ice rink that are outside and reasonably distanced are always going to be safer than going into a crowded mall to see Santa. Personally, I am not ready for large indoor gatherings yet. I don't
0: think it's time. Finally, the five interventions to consider when planning for your gathering.
1: Number one by a mile is vaccinations and boosters, and everybody getting as many vaccines as they are eligible for and have time to get. Number two is ventilation, which I think is sort of the underappreciated public health strategy of the pandemic. It's the one we talk about the least, but this is an airborne disease. It's in the air. Washing hands is important, cleaning surfaces is important, but That's for the most part, not how people become exposed to COVID. It's not from touching surfaces. It's from breathing or being exposed to air that is contaminated with virus. So clean the air. The easiest way to do that is go outside But it's, I don't know if you've been outside, really cold. I don't think most people are going to have their dinner outdoors. So there's other things you can do to clean the air. You can get an air purifier with a HEPA filter. There are lots of air purifiers with filters that are rated for viral filtering. You can open windows. You can put filters on your existing air conditioning system. Three is isolating as much as possible or reducing exposure as much as possible in the two weeks prior to any gathering. So if you're about to go to grandma's house, today is probably not the day to hit the bars indoors in a crowded setting with a bunch of other people whose vaccination status you don't know. So trying to increase your level of caution and reduce your risk of exposure in the two weeks before gathering is going to reduce the risk that you're going to bring anything undesirable to that gathering with you. And four is testing. Anytime we have people over for dinner, anytime my parents visit, everybody does a rapid test. It's not a perfect test. You know, these rapid over-the-counter antigen tests, they're not hundred percent accurate. Again, as like an imperfect intervention layered on top of a bunch of imp- other imperfect interventions, it's pretty good. And it definitely adds a certain degree of safety to have everybody who's arriving at a gathering take a test when they get there. And then the last one, I would say still important, but the last one on my list is masks. Masks are really important. They're still one of the best ways we have to prevent infections and limit exposure, but we're talking about a dinner and people will probably take them out because it's somewhat difficult to eat when you're wearing a mask. But you can be wearing a mask a lot of the rest of the time. None of those interventions is 100%, but if you layer each of them on top of the other, you've probably mitigated and reduced your risk as much as you possibly can. I'm certainly not the first person to put it this way as a Swiss cheese model. If you have a Swiss cheese and you cut a slice, it's gonna have big holes in it. But if you put another slice on top of that and another slice on top of that and another slice on top of that, eventually you will get a big block of cheese that you can't see through. That's what we're trying to achieve with the strategies of reducing risk when people are gathering. With the caveat to all of that being that we're talking about families and a big group of people coming together. If you're asking everybody to behave a certain way prior to gathering, or you're asking everybody to test, or you're asking everybody to get vaccinated, you need everyone to agree to do those things, preferably before dinner. So this is a good time to start having those conversations with family, as difficult as they may be.
0: For more information and for a full article on Dr. Keene's advice, visit thehealthnexus.org. Production support for today's episode provided by Dan Bernstein. I'm Gianna DiMedio. Thanks for listening.